Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. Book of Matthew, chapter 14, and verse number 13. How many knows that when you put Jesus first, things tend to go better in your life? There's blessings in your life when you put Jesus first. Usually when things are all haywire and messed up, it's just because you haven't done the Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then when you realize that, oh, I'll get back to that, then all of a sudden things kind of get back into, into focus. I want to talk to you tonight about the blessing of the firstborn. How many firstborns are in the house today? Firstborns. Praise God. Firstborns. Firstborns. All right. Well, I'm not just preaching to them, but I'm preaching to everybody. Firstborn, the blessing of the firstborn. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart, give ye them to eat. They don't need to go. You just need to take care of them. And they say unto him, What have, what we have here, but five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and two fishes and looked up to heaven. And he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. He blessed, he brake, he gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled and took up the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. And they had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. The blessing of the firstborn. Somebody say the blessing of the firstborn. Heavenly Father, your word is already blessed. Your word is already anointed. But God, we need to grow by your word. We need to learn by your word. We need to improve by your word. So today, oh God, I'm asking, Heavenly Father, that you would help us in this message tonight to bless your people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let everybody say amen. 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 The blessing of the firstborn. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. One of the most remarkable and consistent principles of the Bible 
is the designation of what the Bible calls the firstborn. The firstborn was special, held a special place, and had a special purpose. When you read the Bible, you will find the different verses that illuminate this principle, illuminate the fact. Exodus 4, 22. Exodus 4, 22 and 23. And thou shalt say, the Lord said to Moses, you're to say unto Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Special, unique, particular. And he said, and I say unto thee, this is what you're to tell Pharaoh, let my son go that he may serve me and if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. The firstborn here is something of very importance to God because it belonged to the Lord. The firstborn belonged to God. Exodus 13 and 2, the Bible says, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both men and beast, it is mine. The firstborn according to God's plan and designation, belonged to God. It was special. Firstborn was unique. It was set apart. If you follow down in that same chapter to verse number 12, Exodus 13 and 12, it says, And thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that opened the matrix, and, and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast, the males shall be the Lord's. And every firstling of an ass uh, thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then shalt thou break its neck. Uh, every donkey, every unrighteous donkey, the Lord would say, is to be redeemed by a lamb. And if that is not redeemed, then it is to be destroyed. Everything hinged upon the firstborn being a redemptive quality. For he says, all the firstborn among men, among thy children, shalt thou redeem. Amen. And it shall be that thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, what is this? And thou shalt say unto him, by strength of the hand of the Lord, he brought us out from Egypt from the house of bondage. Israel was his firstborn. And so he signified and specified that the firstborn was to be redeemed, was to be redeemed. God's redemption plan is hidden in that understanding of a firstborn because it belonged to the Lord. So when that firstborn child was born, they would take a lamb and they would offer it up as a redemptive factor for the firstborn. God redeemed the firstborn through a sacrifice because it belonged to him. God was saying this is my stamp. It belongs to me. It belongs to me so I redeem it. We find that in Exodus chapter 34 it tells us the price of that redemption. For in verse 19, it echoes that same theme. Everything that openeth the matrix is mine. Every firstling among the cattle, whether ox or sheep, that is male. But the firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with the lamb. And if thou redeem him not, thou shalt break his neck. It's very important that you honor the firstborn. All the firstborn of the sons 
shall be redeemed, that none shall appear unto him or before the Lord empty. We find in scripture that the most notable firstborn is Jesus Christ. For the Bible calls him the only begotten of the Father. That means he is the only firstborn of the Father. Amen. It was the firstborn's responsibility to stand in the stead of his dad. You would find that things were passed from father to son, from dad to firstborn. It was the firstborn's responsibility because the dad was the patriarch of the family. He would be the priest of the family. He would be the provider of the family. He was to be the overseer of the family. And when the firstborn was come, he was then to be the, the, the continuation of that. He was to be the representative of his dad. So as he became in operation of the first born he received from his father so that he could continue what his father started Jesus is the firstborn. We find in Romans chapter 8, the Bible tells us so, that in verse 29, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, the concept of the firstborn being redeemed or sanctified is that God was saying, if you'll give me your firstborn, I'll make sure if that firstborn lamb that is born, if you you give me the firstborn lamb, then all the rest are going to be blessed. That's the promise of the firstborn. And Jesus is signified as the firstborn among many brethren. In Colossians 1 and verse 14, it says, in whom we have redemption, redemption, amen. There's that word again, redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, speaking of Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. He is continuing what is said by the Father. Everywhere Jesus went, he did his Father's will. As man, he did his Father's will. He was the firstborn of every creature for by him were all things created that are in heaven that are in earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things and by him all things consist and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have preeminence Jesus being the first Firstborn meant that he received not just the blessing of the firstborn, but he received the responsibility of the firstborn. Jesus not only is considered the, the, the one who is the firstborn, but you and I are considered firstborn. Every person that comes into God's house is to be a firstborn. Every man, woman that comes to the Lord is a first begotten by him. God doesn't have seconds and thirds and grandkids and great grandkids. We are all to be the church of the firstborn. Hebrews 12 and 23, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. When a firstborn child was born, his name was registered. 
He was registered as to be the one who would be the heir apparent, to be the one who was to receive the blessing. For the Bible declares in Deuteronomy 21 that the father was to acknowledge the son. The father was to put a stamp and say, this is the firstborn son. This is the one that is my firstborn. And then that father, according to Deuteronomy 21, was to give him a double portion of all that he hath. Jesus went down to the water and when John baptized him and he come out by the water, the father put acknowledgement upon him when he said, this is my, my son in whom I am well pleased. I am putting the stamp of firstborn upon him. He is the only begotten. The firstborn comes into the scene to receive a double portion. But not only is the firstborn to receive a double portion just to pad his wallet or to make him have more cows than his brother or to have more houses than his brother or to have more money than his brothers but rather the the responsibility of the firstborn is that you are blessed to take care of your family the responsibility of the firstborn the reason he received a double portion was so that he could carry out his duties it wasn't that he was going to retire to the Caribbean it wasn't that he was going to be the next Floridian and he's going to live high on the hog no sir he received a double portion so that he could help his family it was a responsibility You and I are firstborn and we are designed by God to receive a double portion blessing. But we are not just designed to receive it just to have a blessing, but we are we give the firstborn significance because then we have to also distribute. Jesus looked at his disciples and gave to them the significance of the firstborn promise when he looked at them and said, yeah, they're hungry. Why don't you feed them? Why don't you take care of them? He is saying you have a responsibility. We've got all these people here. It's your responsibility as a firstborn to take care of these that are hungry. And, 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 and they said, Lord, we don't have very much. All we have is five loaves and two fishes. What did Jesus say? He said, bring that to me. Bring what you have to me. That's an impossibility to feed. You couldn't even give them an appetizer with five loaves and two fishes. 5,000 men plus women and children, estimating 15,000 people are going to be fed by five loaves and two fishes. But the principle here is Jesus is saying you need to bring to me what you have. You need to offer what you have. It is not that he's going to make a miracle and create a miracle where he is creating fish and creating bread. He could have done that but he didn't. He chose rather to say you are firstborn and I want to take what you have and I want to bless it. I'm going to multiply it but you first have to do the responsible thing and take care of what you have before you. They don't need to depart. You give to them. You give them something to eat. Lord, you want me to do what? You give them something to eat. Lord, you want me to step into this particular new arena with you? Yeah, you do that. Lord, I don't have enough. 
I just got five loaves and two fishes. That's an impossibility. I don't have anything within me. I don't have. He said, what do you have? What have you been given? What is in your hand? Some of you are waiting for your miracle come, come showing up in the form of an Uber with a McDonald's burgers to supply your need. And the Lord's saying, what do you have? What do you have in your life? Amen. I don't have much money. I don't have much of this. Well, what do you have? Because it's the responsibility of the firstborn to make sure that he's taking care of his responsibility and taking care of those before him. Let me show you how adamant Jesus was about this lesson. If you, if you go over a little bit further into Matthew chapter 16, you'll find that Jesus had to sit down and tell the disciples a lesson that they missed. Matthew 16 and 6, then Jesus said unto them, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among them saying, it is because we have taken no bread. You know, sometimes the Lord says to us and it just goes vroom, vroom, right over our head. That's what is doing. He's saying that because we don't have any bread, which when Jesus perceived, he said to them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Listen to this. Do ye not yet understand? Neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets ye took up. Don't you remember what happened? He referenced this miracle in teaching to them a, a, a the leaven of the Pharisees, neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets ye took up. How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, but that you should be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? And he explains to them in Mark chapter 12 what that is. What is the leaven of the Pharisees? He said in verse uh, 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 38 of Mark chapter 12, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutation in the marketplace and the chief seats in the synagogue and the utmost rooms at feasts. Listen to this. Which devour women's houses and for pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. What is he saying? The leaven or the doctrine of the Pharisees is selfishness. Selfishness. A lot of people say, I want the I want the double portion blessing of the firstborn. I want God, would you pour out upon, come on Lord, would you just pour out the blessing, amen. The Lord said there's a leaven that will stop it in its tracks. There's a mentality of selfishness because the firstborn has to first of all understand his responsibility before he gets the blessing. The responsibility is generosity, kindness, Compassion. Amen. What did Jesus do? He said, bring it to me. Three things I want to show you that Jesus did that released the double portion blessing. Amen. He said, first of all, bring it to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and two fishes and looked up to heaven. He blessed and break 
and gave. Three things he did to what they brought. Amen. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it. Amen. We will find that if you want the double portion blessing of the firstborn, you've got to be willing to give what you have, what belongs you think to you, and give it to him because it belongs to him anyway. It's time to say, Lord, all that I have is yours. I'm not holding back anything. Every one of my dreams belong to you. Every one of my plans belong to you. All of my desires belong to you because I can't afford to have the leaven of the Pharisees. I give it to you, Jesus. All my money is yours anyway. How many know the Bible says all of it belongs to him anyway? We're just stewards of it. All of it belongs to him. So we must, if we want the blessing of the firstborn, be willing to give him what we already know belongs to him. Lord, here's yours. Here's my job. Here's my car. Here's my boat. Here's my guns. Lord, here's, here, here's, here's my, my passions. Here's my desires. Here's my kids, Lord. Here's my wishes. God, I'm gonna give it to you because if I give it to him, then he's gonna take it and he's gonna bless it. And if I just have five loaves and two fishes, if all I got is a testimony and a song and a little bit of prayer, if I could just bring it to him, amen, and just give it to him, then perhaps he will do something with it. Perhaps he'll take it from being just a little bit to making a whole lot. I want to say to you today, somebody needs to get out of your bed in the morning and say, I refuse to walk in despair looking at my two loaves, amen, looking at my fishes, looking at what I don't have, and I'm just simply going to say, Lord, I give it to you today. I give it to you today because I want the firstborn's blessing. He blesses it. He doesn't create the fish. He just simply blessed what they had. When they took responsibility and brought what they had to be generous Now, there's a lot of folks who can be real generous when all they got is five loaves and two fishes. But when they got 500 loaves, 5,000 fishes. Wait a second, Lord. I give that 20 bucks when that's all I got in my wallet. But that $20,000, when I've got 100,000, and you want me to give 20,000, I'm preaching now, I'm preaching, 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 preaching. Amen, I've got that, and I want to give. Amen, it's about bringing what you have to the Lord. So he can bless it, but that he can also break it. How many of you have found that when you come willing to give, whether it's an offering, willing to give in service, when you come willing to give, God can break some things loose in your life. He can break some things loose that's got you bound. He can break some things loose. Amen. I know of a revival that started by an 11-year-old boy bringing his favorite Jordan tennis shoes to church and laying them on the altar. It's his best thing that he had. And he said, God, I want to give that to you. And revival broke out. Why? Because somebody had a mentality that if I give it to Jesus, he may break it, but I'm going to be free. He may break it, but he's got something on the other side of the breaking. He's got something on the other side of the breaking for me. 
Because after they gave that, how many know they had baskets left over? Instead of having five loaves and two fishes, they had 12 basketfuls. If you give God your business, you watch him bless it and break it, but you got to give it to him. You got to say, here it is, Lord, but I'm doing it in, in response to being a firstborn. I'm going to make sure that I have the responsibility, but also that I'm giving, that I can receive the blessing. I'm going to go down to a verse of scripture that most people who do not give or are not faithful in tithes start squirming on, but it's that, that wonderful scripture of Malachi chapter 3. Malachi 3 and 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. Can I ask a question? This is a, just a Texas hard-headed question. How do you rob God? How do you take from God? How do you take that? How do you take, how do you rob God? I, I can't, I cannot just keep my tithes back and think I'm going to starve God out. Come on, somebody. I can't just say I'm going to be stingy and think that I'm going to turn God on his, on, his, on his knee and start saying, please, please, will you give? I need your 20 bucks. I really need your 20 bucks. I need you to step in. Amen. But yet he says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And he could have said in tithes, and we would got that because it belongs to him anyway. But he also said offerings, offerings. He says, then ye are cursed with the cursed, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. I want to tell you what I see in this passage of scripture, and I realize there could be many applications, but let me apply this here in this message. When we rob God through, 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 through the lack of being generous, and through the lack of giving, and through the lack of having a heart of giving him ownership of everything in our life, and having the spirit of the firstborn, what we're robbing God is, we're robbing him of the opportunity to bless it and break it. If we never give it to him he can't bless it that's why he said there's a curse on you because I have a blessing ready to give you but you're robbing me of a blessing you're robbing me of a chance the Lord is saying to break it you're robbing me of the opportunity to open up the windows of heaven and pour out upon you a blessing that you cannot contain amen it's not about me being stingy with God to hurt God hurt the preacher hurt the church but rather it's about me saying I want the firstborn's blessing I want what God has for me because if I can give what I have to him, I'm seeing baskets down the road. I'm seeing more down the road. I just want to nail this down before we go tonight. I'm just going to bring this here and leave it for you. Okay? There are some today that says tithing is over with that the church is not responsible for tithing, that there's no scripture in the New Testament for tithing. Well, let me just share with you about what the Bible says about it just quickly. I'm going to run through this in, in just a few minutes. If you amen me, I'll probably go longer, so that's up to you. Deuteronomy 14, 22. 
Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there the tithe of thy corn, of thy wine, of thy oil, and the first thing of thy herd and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. Look at that last line. That you may learn to fear the Lord always. When you consider tithing in Scripture, tithing was a covenant that Abraham made with God because God blessed him. Genesis 14, 20. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, which was a type of Christ in that he was the king of Salem. Without mother or father, without genealogy, he paid tithes to the type of Christ. Jacob promised God the tenth or the tithe in Genesis chapter 28. Both of these preceded the law. God's law given by Moses stipulated in all the particulars of, of the what and when and how to handle the tithing for Israel. But tithe was not just an obligation that was connected to the law, but yet it was connected to a covenant of promise. Tithe is to remember the fear of the Lord. What is that saying? It is like Abraham said, I am coming with my tithe to say thank you for my promise. I am coming with my tithe because I am believing if I bring my five loaves and two fishes on the other side of that, I'm going to be blessed. It's the word of God. Amen. It's God's word. I've watched it over and over again. I've seen people that live like, 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 like the devil still be blessed because they've been faithful with their tithes. God said it's a promise. It was a covenant with Israel as we've seen in Scripture but it was also a covenant with the church. Abraham paid tithes, Genesis 14, and the Bible said in Galatians chapter three and verse seven, they which are of the faith are of the children of Abraham and have the faith of Abraham. What Abraham did, I need to be ready to do. Amen. If we are the children of Abraham, then we will do the works of Abraham. Look it up, John 8 and 39. Tithing didn't stop with the Mosaic law because it didn't start with the Mosaic law. Tithing started with Abraham and continued through the priesthood of Jesus Christ and it still works. It's kind of like telling the bumblebee, you're too big for your wings, but don't tell him he's flying anyway. Somebody has come too late to tell me that I'm not blessed because of it. I've watched it. I've seen it over and over again. The greatest testimony that it is covenant is because I've seen the fruit. I've seen the 12 baskets. I've seen the blessings and the feeding of the 5,000 and doing what I cannot do. I'm talking about the blessing of the firstborn. The blessing of the firstborn. In 2 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you want to go there with me. In verse number 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. Somebody say firstborn. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap 
also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver, not out of compulsion, but out of passion. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. And as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad and he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food. What is he saying? If you'll take a responsibility to sow, you don't have to worry about the harvest. Some people hear me tonight. We need to stop praying for harvest and just keep on sowing because the more you sow, the bigger your harvest. Isn't that what they tell us? The more you plant, the more that's coming up. Amen. God will take care of the harvest. It will take care of the sowing. God will take care of the harvest. It will take care of doing what he asks us to do. telling you today there is a blessing to be had and it's found in the understanding of the firstborn the action of the firstborn is to sow bountifully and to reap bountifully look what Jesus put it like this Paul had put it in that way in, in Corinthians but let's, let's, let's put it like this in Luke chapter 6 verse 38 where Jesus caps off this principle of the firstborn Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Why? God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Stand with me, please. I'm bringing this down. The landing gear is down. We're getting ready to hit into the home stretch. I want to tell you this right here. I've watched people, and you probably have seen those too, that are crazy generous. I'm talking about just crazy generous. They'd give away their, their last meal. They'd give away money, and, and, and there's nothing wrong. We know the Bible. I've already preached that the Bible tells us to be generous but there's two legs to God's blessings one is generosity and the other is stewardship generosity stewardship say it with me generosity stewardship if, you, if you've got a bad budget bad habits with your money you can be a generous person and still not be blessed because you've got to walk on both legs But if you learn stewardship and balance it with generosity, amen, then you begin to find success is going to come your way. God's promise is going to come your way. Hallelujah. I feel somebody in this place has got this tonight. Somebody has got this in their spirit tonight. And they're saying, I'll be the responsible firstborn so that I can have the blessing of this firstborn. I'll be willing to be generous so it will come back to me. I'll take it to Jesus. He's going to break it. Bless it. Paul did not have to cheer the church on to give when he just showed to them 
the concept of harvest. What you sow is what you reap. Again, balance stewardship with generosity. Watch God move. Amen. Sister Judy, the other day I had a Brother Dale moment. I reached into my wallet and I pulled out a little bit of Jesus money that I had stuck back. I learned that from him. A little bit of Jesus money that I could give when the opportunity arose. Do you have some Jesus money stuck back in your wallet? Amen. And you just simply say, if I get the opportunity, I want to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Well, it may not have been very much, but I know this. If I give it to him, he'll bless it, multiply it, and I'm leaving with a better basket. I'm going to have a full basket when he's... step out right now today. I want us to come. Let's just worship the Lord. Amen. Maybe you need to renew your commitment. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Saturday.